0: Uh, today, um, we, we're starting as a church um, uh, to, to look a bit at the book of Acts. And um, the crazy thing about the book of Acts, and, and it's really cool, and, and I think it should hit you whenever you open it, is that you're reading our story. You're not reading a story disconnected from you. Somehow... This, this, When we read the book of Acts, somehow from this group of people you're reading about, we get here. A group of people who love Jesus in St. Clair, on the other side of the world, at another time in history, years later. Actually, somehow or, or another, Todd is here because someone told someone about Jesus, who told someone about Jesus for a couple of thousand years across a whole bunch of different places and somehow Todd sits here as someone who knows Jesus, so disconnected from the people we read about. That I mean, it's the faithfulness of these people. Whatever your story is, if you are here and you love Jesus it somehow traces back here with these people. And of course, there's, there's, there, was, there, was, there was church splits and different style of churches and and the name of God being used in vain and persecutions and somehow through all the mess of history though from this small group of people the Christian church is here in Australia the Christian church is in China the Christian church is in North Korea so that's a pretty awesome work of the spirit it's an awesome work of the spirit and if we can focus our eyes in on this community we can see huge wisdom for us because And this is something, you know, like, you know, the traditional paintings and the thing, um, and the chosen is good for expanding people's imagination around this. But we tend to see Jesus walking around and training 12 guys as if they're a party of 13. Now, that's the traditional, but we know that's actually not the accurate picture. He has a bigger group of disciples around him. That's why in Luke, he sends out the 72. He's got a bigger group around him than 12. He has 12 who are closer, um, you know, because he models that invest in the few for the many style of, of, of discipleship, and they disciple people. But actually, in Jesus' loose traveling party, it's bigger than 12. And what's cool is when we read about the community of Acts, it's full of people who were actually trained by Jesus. It's full of those people from people from that 72. It's full. It's, so when you're looking at this community and how they behave, they're not just winging it Yes, they've got the Spirit guiding them, and we see them, they're super responsive to the Holy Spirit's leading, but they're also moving, having gone an apprentice. Many of the leaders in this community (laughs) were apprenticed under the training of Jesus Himself, which is a cool thought. But but let's at this starting point say this that they are us, we go back to them. Their Saviour is our Saviour. Their Lord is our Lord. Their mission is our mission, separated in 2,000 years in another part of the world, in another language, before the New Testament was even properly put together. But they are us, and we go back to them. So we're going to read um, the first, mainly sit in the first 10 verses. Um, there are some things that happen in this chapter we won't go into detail about, which is you know replacing Judas and casting lots for that. And, and, and things like that. But we're going to mainly sit in the first 10 verses, um, and that's what we'll read now. So Acts chapter 1, if you'd like to have it open in front of you, otherwise I'm happy to read and if you're happy to listen. Um, so Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So what Luke's doing is he's referring to the Gospel of Luke. He's saying, "You know my other book, the Gospel of Luke, that's what I talked about." Okay? And so now and he's introducing what he's going to be talking writing about in the book of Acts. He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so let's think about um, the position the disciples are in. And then we realize that their lives are full of the same elements of faith that our lives are are full on. So let's think about it. So think of the moment they're in. They've got promises. So, Jesus has given them a promise. Look, you're going to be my witnesses. This will happen. You're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. They've just been given a promise. So, we can relate to that, right? We have promises, sometimes feeling a bit unfulfilled in our life. So, they're sitting in a moment where, okay, we've been told a promise. Jesus is no longer here. There's very little indication this promise will come to pass. Remember, they're kind of gathering in an upper room and praying and they're surrounded by a city that just crucified their king. Um, and they've just got a promise. We can relate to that, can't you? You can relate to sitting in waiting and, and you, all you've got is a bit of a promise, but you, you're looking around and you're not really seeing what, what's going to happen from here. But just like the disciples, we have markers to look back to. Israel had markers to look back to. When they were in those waiting zones where they've got promises that are not looking quite fulfilled, What Israel, remember, I am the God who rescued you out of Egypt. Remember, I am the God that parted the Red Sea. Remember that in the Passover, they're remembering God's great rescue act. So in the moments of waiting where the promises aren't quite fulfilled, it seems, they look back to... They're markers. There are big events as a community that they remember that God is good and will be faithful in the future. The the Acts community, it says it at the start. What do they look back to? Jesus is risen from the dead. Okay, a guy who rose from the dead gave us a promise. Can you trust the guy who rose from the dead? Most likely. So as they're sitting in the waiting, they've got a promise from the risen Jesus they're in circumstances that seem a little dicey but they've got their markers they go but Jesus rose from the dead Jesus rose from the dead and that happens in a macro sense so we also look back to the same thing we look back to the death and resurrection of Jesus um John here in one of his recent sermons says that that for him is his marker like that's That's almost what he was saying. He said the reason he was convinced by Christianity was the death and resurrection of Jesus. So in in times of discouragement, he's got this event, and and I put my faith in this event. Um, And it happens in a micro sense, in the sense that There are times you look back in your life where you felt God particularly answered a prayer or God particularly fulfilled a promise and you take heart from what God has done in the past as you sit in the waiting in the present that He will be faithful in the future. For some people, it's a sense of call. There's quite a few people in this church and also people I know, when they start to feel a bit stuck, for instance, and not much is happening, they'll go, but I remember I had a strong sense that God called me here to do this. And that helps them be patient in the present. So... You know the disciples. You know these their their faith challenges sort match ours, don't they? They've got a promise. They've got um, events they can look back to to reassure themselves in the waiting. But and and where where I really relate to them, and where they'll they'll be back in this position again in different ways. And Israel was in this position, but they're in a position we will be put in constantly, which is a time to wait on the Lord. It's hard to see how God's moving. It's hard to see how all the things will come to pass. It's hard to see how Jesus will reconcile all things to himself. We're in the waiting. It's hard to see how God is working all things for my good sometimes. And that's when we need the spiritual composure that waits on the Lord, that has our hope in the Lord. God came through back then. He will come through again. He always fulfills his promises. I can be calm in the waiting. And while we wait, and while we wait, we move in obedience. So, um, you know, I think with the, with the disciples, they've been given their marching orders, they go to make disciples, they're going to be given the Holy Spirit, and, we, and we're going to read in the book of Acts how that's going to empower their ministry greatly, and, and certainly it will come to pass that they will be their witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. That will come to pass. Um, but I think part of sitting in the waiting is moving in obedience as well and just go, okay, what what did Jesus tell us to do right now? To wait. So that's what we're going to do. So in the waiting, the way we sit in the waiting is we move in obedience, because that shows faith. That shows faith. When we move in obedience and go, okay, we're just going to wait on God. We're going to move in obedience and show faith by doing that. And the cool thing about the book of Acts, I mean, the Holy Spirit has come, um, is that they live... Even though it's 2,000 years ago, right at the start of this moment, they live in the same tension you and I live in. Everyone here lives in the same tension. The King has come and will come again, and we live in between. We're in the same tension. You're in the same tension. Jesus is still to return. They're, they're reaching people in the same, between the same bookends you're living in, as in Jesus has come, He has risen, and He will return. The king has come and he will return. And we are empowered by that spirit to witness to that king, to invite others to submit to that king because we are confident that the king will return. We have carried on the message. The king will return. Submit to the king. He died and rose again. Submit to the king. He loves you. He pursued you. Submit to the king. We're still spreading that message. People are still responding to it. And He hasn't come yet. We're still in the tension. We are still in the tension. They have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And we live in the tension. And being His witnesses, and it's very clear, it's the Holy Spirit that comes and empowers them to be their witnesses. It's Christ who builds His church. But the way God works is we are made in the image of God and we partner with Him in being His witnesses. It's not... um. Um, and what's not focused on enough. And so, yes, the Holy Spirit will come. And, you know, I'm about to talk about some principles I've talked about a lot. And, you know, as I'm finishing up, it's, it's really something I really want to talk about again because I hope these principles are talked about more beyond me. It's one of my prayers as well. But it's important to remember what I said at the start, is that they're not just sitting there clueless, and then they get the Holy Spirit, and then they go, okay, what do we do now? Jesus has been training them. They have an idea on how to witness He's given them, he sent them out two by two a few times and said, and given them principles on what witnessing looks like. And they're going to, when you look, and, and, and this was it opened my eyes and I was really amazed to see that the the same principles Jesus sent them out with, they apply in the book of Acts. So And so um, and so the good thing about us is we can look at what Jesus told them. We can look at how Jesus trained them and have an idea of how we're, how we're to witness as well. Um, because you're like them, and you're like me, even those who find this difficult, even though these people who find this discouraging, there is, I know there is a part of everyone here who you live knowing Jesus, you desire to please Him, and it, the idea of the people you mix with at work, and the idea of people in your family, and the idea of your neighbor, and the idea of the person you talked to yesterday, the idea of those people also knowing Jesus, fills you with happiness. If you if you picture that zone of them taking their burdens to Jesus, of them finding forgiveness of Jesus, and you picture those per- people making those moves, I'm sure you're like me that goes, oh, I would love to see that. I would love to see that." And what? A, and how, so as we, if that's your heart, pay attention to the Book of Acts. Pay attention to those trained by Jesus because they were trained by Jesus. And they have good ideas on how to do that because they were trained by Jesus because none of Jesus' ideas were bad, I don't think. I'm pretty sure, you know, his ideas are solid. Their training is from him. And so it's not surprising that, so Luke wrote the book of Acts, and Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, which isn't surprising. I don't get any scholarship marks for that. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. Um, And it's in the gospel of Luke that we have an extensive explanation of how they're to go out and witness. So isn't that interesting? The one who wrote the book of Acts is the one who writes an extensive explanation of the training Jesus gave them when they were to go out and witness and they announced the kingdom of God. And so we read in Acts chapter 10, um, verses 1 to 11, he says, you know, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, once again, proof he has a bigger group than just 12 following him around. He appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Okay, just a little note. Someone pointed this out to me and it's it's pretty funny. And this is why you always need to be willing to move when you pray. Jesus asks them to pray and then goes ask them to be the answer to their own prayer. So, so he says, pray to send workers into the field. Now go be workers in the field. Like, it's kind of like, prayer is is inviting god to move and so don't be surprised when you pray for things when you become the answer to your own prayers and god says well i was thinking maybe someone who could do that might be you and so he asks the disciples to pray and then makes them go be the answer to their own prayer which i think is fascinating um and and they're going in a plate, and and he sends them out don't take a purse of a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road and when you enter a house first say peace to this house If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from your feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. So these principles of going where you are welcome, and, and actually, um, yeah, it's been amazing to me to see how, how, how much the disciples applied these principles. Um, that These principles, they apply these in Acts. And in the same way that they're proclaiming the kingdom of God, that's another word for what we do. We, when we introduce people to Jesus, we're proclaiming the king. He is the king. We're introducing people to the king. And when Jesus trains these people to go out and be his witnesses, he tells them something, and and like I said, you guys know I've said this so many times, he says something you know. He says something you know. hundred percent, if you go to your workplace and you talk about Jesus, this happens. There will be people who welcome you and people who don't. That's what Jesus says. There will be people peaceful towards you and people who are not peaceful towards you. There will be people who, when they find out you're a Christian, for some reason, want to have you over more. And there will be people who, when they find out you're a Christian, you are the person they are least interested in the opinion of. That's what happens. Jesus says to them, nothing that's rocket science. is when you go to town, some towns are going to be like, tell us more. Some towns are going to be like, buzz off. And what Jesus says is, everyone who says no, I want you to fight them and take them down and convince them they're wrong. No, that's not what he says. He says, Jesus says, if you're not welcome somewhere, move on and go to where you are welcome. Invest where you are welcome. Go where they invite you in. The person who serves you is showing favor towards God in doing that because they know you're a follower of Jesus. And they're saying, come deeper into my life. You think about it, right? Um, Jesus was the one who says, whoever welcomes you welcomes Hey. There's a connection between favour towards the people of God and favour towards God Himself. And like I said, I, always, I like the footnote because definitely I've met people that are more gifted for the sort of fight sort of thing. Like as in some people are okay, like they, they embrace that. But I would say that's not the majority of people. The majority of people, Jesus is giving principles that anyone can apply. And that is, when people find out you're a Christian, what happens? Do they lean in or they lean out? Do they welcome you more or welcome you less? I want you to invest in the one that welcomes you. I want you to invest there. And, and think about it. And when he says invest, he says, if they like you, listen to you, and want to serve you. Jesus doesn't want Christians to go around, and this is a misguided thing Christians do sometimes. When people offer to serve them, they go, no, 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 we're fine. Do you know what? Like, especially in the interest of mission, that is almost amounts to disobedience of Jesus. Jesus says, when someone wants to serve you, accept their service. Because that is relationship building. Nothing kills relationship more than when you say, I'm fine, I need nothing from you. Do you know that? Like, do you guys find that with yourself? Like, when someone says, I need nothing from you, it's really hard to build a relationship. You think of, um, you know, and I I refer to this example because it's the most concrete example in my mind. When Kiara, you know, started responding to Jesus and we baptised her... I had this moment where I'd been training, I've been trained in some of this stuff, and I had a moment where I behaved differently. So Kiara's mum, she contacted me and says, Can I provide all the drinks essentially? And I was about to say, thinking it was a good Christian thing to say, no, no, we'll do it. We'll cover it all. You just come and enjoy yourself. And I remembered, I remembered this training and I thought, Nathan, this is not what you should do. You should say, if you want to provide drinks, that would be fantastic. And you know what? She provided all the drinks, and you know what it did? It put their family at ease because this was their event that they contributed to. And they accepted our fa- and you know, it, it included them. So it sounds so Christian to do, doesn't it? No, 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 we're fine. We'll serve you. But it's just not what Jesus asked his disciples to do. In fact, he said, I want you to walk around in a position where you have to accept service because I haven't allowed you to take any money. I haven't allowed you to take anything. So you have to accept service. So so just, um, you know, I needed to learn this. Maybe some of you need to learn this. It's not necessarily the Christian thing to do to reject service. It's not. It's um, and Because that builds relationship. That builds relationship. Absolutely. So Jesus says, you know, you're welcome, you're not welcome. They're peaceful, not peaceful. Invest and stay and eat and and put all. start investing where you are welcome. And so these principles, um, you know, the, the three ways, and in a document I'm leaving with the church that you kind of express my heart, and that'll be part of your discussions moving forward about where the church goes from here, um, and is that, you know, these three principles that I... I use when I do mission and I see others um, have started to apply them is that this whole idea that as Christians, the disciples are going around and serving people. They're healing people. Okay, So we love and serve everyone. It's not a case of Jesus doesn't say hate the people who reject you. He's just talking about where you invest. So we are people of love. It certainly is Christian to love people who don't love you in return. It certainly is Christian to serve people who don't serve you in return. So we are people who still love and serve openly. And, and we and we love and serve generously. When we invest in the Ush, we invest in the families that are... We're like, you know, when we're going to serve food to the families who are anti-church and pro-church. You know what I mean? Like, that's we love and serve. That's who we are. But as we do that, because you're a limited being, some of you are more limited than others by sickness or stage of life with kids, so it's so important we apply the wisdom of Jesus and go, but where am I meant to invest? I can't invest everywhere, I'm a limited being. So as we love and serve everybody, the second one is we identify and we invest in people of peace. Who are the people in your life who know you're a Christian and have not dropped any warmth? In fact, they've, they've become a little warmer. Who are the people? Who are the people in your workplace who know you're a Christian and just take a bit of a wider berth around you? Like, w- what's happening? Um, you know, I had this pastor friend saying, Nate, when you're a pastor, what happens? Like, like you know, he was just talking about himself. Like, if I go to, like, my, my son's soccer club and I introduce myself as the pastor of local church, some people lean in and some people visibly lean out. They just get a bit stiffer. They're like, okay. Other people are like, oh. And they get more interested and they tell you more. Um, but anyway, as we love and serve everybody, we invest in the people of peace. Who are the people who are warm to you, welcoming to you on our street we're, you know, we're friends, we're, we're friendly with our, with anyone in our street that wants to, wants a bar of us. But there are some people who have walked them in, welcome us in. You know, the guys across the road have invited me to their pizza dudes. Of course, I love them. I want to go to their pizza dudes. That sounds great. Um, you know, I went in there and, and had a great time. But we're investing more in that family. Why? Because they invited me over to have pizza. You know, there's another family that's nice. They say hi and they say they get in their cars and they don't want anything more to do with us. So when I'm like thinking, well, where would Jesus want me to invest a bit? It's not that hard a question. It's not. It's not that much discernment, and it's those people after we invest in them relationally, after we invest them prayerfully, that we might think, well, what would it look like to give this person an opportunity to respond to God? And that can be asking them to read the Bible with which some people in our church have done, in in, in like Discovery Bible method. Just just read. Ask them what they're thinking. Don't put any pressure for it. to build. Let it build at its own pace. There's that. You can invite them to church. You can invite them to a Bible study. Like, whatever it looks like to provide them with an opportunity to respond to God. But Jesus didn't go, didn't give the instruction, do that with everyone. He said, invest where you are welcome. And and you could throw at me in the book of Acts, but Nate, sometimes the disciples are talking to crowds who don't like them. That's true. But what I would come back to you with, they're speaking because they were invited to speak. They didn't shout people down. They're still speaking where they were invited to speak. Even if, they, even if the crowd was hostile, they went where they were asked in many cases as well. So, so it, you know, it doesn't always match that thing of like, listen and serve. But as a general rule, I still think Jesus wants us to follow where we are relationally welcome. Um, and, you know, like uh, there's so many good stories in our church. Like, when, when Dad goes walking with people... Um, he's welcoming he's obviously welcoming with the people that said yes to walking with him. he's investing in the people that have said yes there are people that will say no to that you know, they'll say no, I don't want to walk with you you know um, and and it's the same thing with um, you know, with Colin who became a Christian, the neighbour of Bo and you know, this is a this is a kid who liked Colin So he invested in him, he brought him to church. He didn't try and bring the kid across the road who wants nothing to do with the Dupens. There's a kid who really likes the Dupens, really wants to be under their roof, and Colin, so who's an obvious person to invest in? Colin, I mean, um, whom I think, what's his name? Joel, Joel's now a Christian. Joel's now a man of God, very proud about it. Um, And and he's got a son and, and he named him, his second name, Colin, to honor Colin. It's a beautiful story, beautiful stuff. Um you know, John, John Dixon's been reading the Bible um, with Widgie, his mate. Now Widgie's not the type of person that would come here to church like so easily, like you know, like' it's a bit it's a bit hard like you know hard for him to make that step. He might now he's a bit more comfortable with us, but Widgie was peaceful towards John. John asked him to read the Bible with him. Widgie said yes, like you know, this is just the principles that we play. Um, you know, like I, I use this example like if any of you do coaching, the coaching, the coach community mentoring so John's a trained as a coach you know so when he builds that relationship let's say he was joined up with a rough kid from Mount Druitt um, and you know at some point that kid may find out John's got faith and John gets to observe what happens like does he seem to want to know more does he seem to go all right well never bring that up again please you know like he just he gets to see he gets to see how he responds and invest where he's welcome so my my call to you guys is that you're relationally limited like the disciples were. They had they couldn't go everywhere at once. They went where the spirit led. And yes, this is this is, and this was helpful for me. So yes, there's this supernatural element and I've experienced stuff in my life that 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 you know, I would say fits you know some really sort of um, amazing, otherworldly leading—you know, whether it's like a, a very strange conversation or, or a sense of so God leads that way. Um, but not all discernment. When it says the disciples discerned what the Holy Spirit was doing, not all discernment is is that. Not all discernment is sensing and magic and conversations that are different. And you know, part of their discerning was using the principles of Jesus. When it says they discerned what the Holy Spirit was doing, part of that is. Hey, remember the instructions Jesus gave us? He told us to invest where we're welcome. Where, where, where are the doors opening? Um, you know, and, they, and and you can see that. They invested in lines that opened up to them. So you know the story in Acts we'll cover at some point where Paul walks into town, walks out of town. He hasn't found a door of peace yet. And he meets Lydia outside of town who welcomes him and is interested in what he's saying. And he goes into her home and invests. So you see the, the Apostle Paul applying these principles as well. Um, look, we have the same Holy Spirit. Does anyone here dispute that? No. That the same Holy Spirit that got involved with this group of people and spread out in Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem, it's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. So at the very least, we are to move about and presume that God is at work. So, I, I, I you know, whatever it is, you know, Danny, when you go to St. God's at work there. There are people in there that God is at work with. And not only are you meant to presume that, but you've been given tools to learn where the open doors are. As, as 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 people know you're Christian, Jesus gave you tools to discern where the open doors are, where is God at work. And the good thing about people is they're complex, and sometimes they become an open door later. You know, and when 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 crisis hits or something like that, but all of us have the same spirit, so all of us are capable of loving and serving, identifying the people of peace in our lives, and providing them with an opportunity to respond to God. And what I want to reflect back to the community is that when we, whenever there's been some thinking about how people have come to faith at St Clair, it's actually through this method. It's very, very rare a person has come to faith in St. Clair because they came to church one day, a bit cold, you know, simple, and they heard an amazing sermon from someone, you know, like a speaker up the front and they were just so wowed and they gave their lives to Jesus, which can happen, but that's not how it's happened here. How it's happened is someone has invested significantly and relationally in someone and they've, and they've journeyed with them over a long period of time slowly met people from the church eventually because they're clearly a person of peace they were given a chance to respond and they became a christian that's the main way it happens in our community um and i can give you examples of that so you know um before Jono came to faith David significantly invested time and energy into Jono you know um A lot of of you maybe don't know this, but Jess O'Brien was part of our community for a long time when she was kind of still processing it. But that's how it works. A person of peace, welcome amongst us, continue to invest. Eventually, she gave her life to Jesus as well. Um, And I think it's just important to remember that God works through our relationships. So who are the people of peace in your life? I love asking people this question because they usually can tell me someone they think might be. Who are the people who have always been welcoming of you? Know that you're a Christian, and maybe you might want to invest there. Um, Because our encouragement is this. Let's read the last um, verses, you know, 12, I've got um, verses um, 11 to 14, I think it is. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So Jesus' family there, the disciples there. And my encouragement to you is from that little group of people praying in that upper room, God has built a church, millions of people strong. And so here we are at St. Clair, and whether it's through the Ush or through your relationships or through the schools or whatever, do we believe it's the same Holy Spirit at play? Do we still believe God is at work in our community, that there are open doors we can find and invest there? And um, you know, that's my heart, whether we build a building or not, may this always be a place where actually through as we as we just engage in relationships as a church on a macro level but also individually, that through us people will experience Jesus and discover him for themselves and be transformed by them. So that's my prayer. And so let me just pray. And then um, we'll get um, the guys up to sing one more song. Dan's done well. His throat's not feeling so well, so he's persevered to the end. He's got one more song in him. He can do it. Let's let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you so much for the good people here at this church. Um, And I want to thank you that, um, yeah, that you are with them and your spirit is with them. And that uh, the same spirit that empowered and helped your disciples is with us, teaching us. um, And um, your, your, your powerful presence is at work in the world and we get to cooperate with that. And I pray, Lord, that in the same way you empowered your people back then to be your witnesses, that you will empower us to be your witnesses. That there will be people always finding out how good Jesus is, how awesome his forgiveness is, how, how how his ways are the best ways and that they, might, they may seek to follow him and submit him for eternity which is the very best life and choice they can make Lord Lord we just pray that you would use um, use us and I, and I don't mean use in a sort of um, I mean probably the, the better word is partner with us Lord as you do your work in the world through us I just pray that you would partner with us and um and see your kingdom come through us, that we may experience the blessing here of seeing of seeing kids and parents and grandparents coming to know Jesus, Lord, and single people and, and and all sorts of people coming to know Jesus, Lord, through the ministry of St. Clair Baptist Church. And the other churches of St. Clair, and indeed all the churches around the world. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.